Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Burning Wrestling Questions You Most Want Answered. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dadly Boy Michael Hamlet to do precisely that. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only do this, but we preview and review Raw Smackdown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, Dynamite Rampage, premium live events, pay-per-views. We have wrestler interviews on a occasion, uh, wrestling roundtable discussions, I'm your host, not this week, a roundup of the week, not this week, with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. but we'll dive straight into it with uh, a legend, the number one Cedric Mega fan, Matt Banter Reigns, who says, good afternoon, King, and the other one, <laughs> simple question, what was your overall favourite pay-per-view slash PLE this year, I personally love Forbidden Door and Clash at the Castle, among others, cheers guys. Merry Christmas. <laughs> it is that stacks impression. Yeah, it's not it's, bad stacks. Yeah. It's, uh, it's still hard to do. Uh, those are probably the two for me, if I'm going to be nice and equal. Basically, All Out 2020 was better than anything the Fed's ever done. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Something yeah. to register with sure you're on about that. 2020. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. But I Forbidden Door, no lull. It's so harsh. But it's like, oh, it's the best vibes of all time. Adam Cole... Suffered a horrendous injury during it, yeah. and yet the night was so magical that really more attention should have been paid to that. It really should have. I think we've all, I think a lot of people have let themselves down by not saying, oh, you know what, it was a great show, but God damn it, that looked horrible and all yeah. the rest of it. But like that's what wrestling does to you at its very best. And I would argue that Forbidden Door was professional wrestling at its very best. Some absolutely outstanding matches, different matches, a sense of relief a sense of a collective fandom who'd willed us into existence, willing it over the line. Mm. And I saw Gunther versus Sheamus live, and <laughs> I was so overjoyed by it that I said the Fed f- rules out loud, yeah. me. Uh, so those are probably my two. Any honorable mentions? Uh, Revolution was fantastic. Revolution was absolutely wonderful. And uh, I, all out, can't remember it, obviously. Full gear, they're just slogs, aren't they? But Forbidden Door wasn't a slog. Slogs with unreal peaks. Forbidden Door was this bizarre victory for the, like, let the wrestlers wrestle mentality, wasn't it? Because the build was rubbish. Like, it lost Punk and Brighton. None of the matches, well, a couple of them, but the majority of the matches didn't feel particularly well built towards. And that 
it, there was yet again that sense of, oh, when wrestling companies work together, it's never as good as you yeah. manifest in your head. And then on one night, it did all just feel magic. The idea of interpromotional wrestling, if not interpromotional warfare, interpromotional wrestling, felt like they'd achieved like its perfect form for the night. And it made you want to watch it again the following year, again with very limited build. I've got a soft spot for WrestleMania night one, but WrestleMania night two was so terrible that you can't just... That's how the two-night WrestleMania works now. You can't chalk off WrestleMania 38 as a good WrestleMania all-in because I thought night two was abysmal. But night one was near perfect. That was so good. Like, it was really well-paced. Because of the nights, because of the two-night split now, we won't have the dreaded eight-hour WrestleManias anymore. But WrestleMania was a show that can allow itself to go, what, four, four and a half, that sort of thing. Austin was magic in the main event. Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch on any other night is a main event without Steve Austin in it. Cody's return is a main event. You know, there's like these things are like stacking up basically. And it's just the, the card built. I think we talked about this in a very rare thing for WWE. They did seem to take the New Japan pacing. So I think you had like, obviously it was a very unfortunate Rick Boog's injury at the start of the night, which put like a bit of a dampener on things. But tag titles as they were, as held by the Usos, the one set of belts at the time as well, just didn't feel like that big a deal. So it did feel like every match was... Elevating in stakes, he went along. Logan Paul, for the first time, showed you what he was going to be capable of in this rather remarkable rookie year he's had. Just a really special evening of WWE doing what it does best on its biggest night to do it. And then they just undid so much of that goodwill on the second night. And I don't know how you judge, if you judge them together or separate, I don't know. Yeah, it's almost a shame that Vince McMahon had an actually good swan song as a creative force yeah. because that first night of WrestleMania And was... he still wrecked it with that stunner cell. Yeah. His actual last was that. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. That's good as well. I just wish that... Into 2023, Tony Khan would realize, right, people like Forbidden Door the most. What can I learn from that and apply to my next round of quarterly pay-per-views? Because, God damn it, there's always a moment, or there's always at least 45 minutes where I get an actual dread from the show that I've been waiting for for three months, where it's like, oh, Christ, I forgot this match hasn't happened yet, and I can't be asked to watch it, even though I've been invested in it to a degree throughout uh, Fraser Cranium asks, gentlemen, which rivalry and or story captured your imaginations at the beginning of your wrestling fandom? And what new story do you feel could attract a new generation of Dadleys in 2023? And because it's Fraser Cranium, he says, bottom of my heart, thank you for another wonderful guys. I think it means, yeah. Love Fraser. He's great. Love Huge love to you and yours. Uh, for me, right, the first four WWF Coliseum video Silver Vision tapes I can recall watching and owning. I think I had WrestleMania, I had the, all of the WrestleManias, but some of them looked a bit depressing for me. Yeah. And I had to revisit them later. They weren't bright and vivid and muscly and bronzed and colourful enough. Our video shop had WrestleMania 2, and I'd watched it after I'd gotten into it around 1990, so it just looked like it from another world. Yeah. Even Hogan having a white headband instead of a red and yellow it's bandana. Just, it just looked so too it's not, old, it's not there it? yet, is it? Yeah, just yeah. too old. So for me, it was uh, SummerSlam 89. Yeah. The ultimate nostalgia for me. Uh, WrestleMania 6, Royal Rumble 91, and WrestleMania 7. And I was captivated with no, with my innocent mind, no clue about the absolute awfulness of exploiting the Gulf War. Mm. But it's almost a shame that that was so rancid because the storytelling in the ring, if you could get away from the horribleness, the scepter shot to the head. Oh, my God. The intensity of Savage Warrior how that elegantly sort of split the two double feature main events in two is Hogan Slaughter and Warrior Savage 
my first ever deft dovetailing booking <laughs> experience. And then the reunion with Savage and Liz. Yeah. Like, I'd know, you know what? I was, what, six or seven? Yeah. You know what? It's six or seven years old, right? Despite not having, at the time, WrestleMania five on VHS, I could infer, because I had a brain at seven years old, that, all oh, right, they must have split up. Yeah. But now they're back together. Oh, where's the video package for this? <laughs> I just inferred it and still got the huge emotional high from mm. the reunion because I guessed that, oh, they must have been split apart to come together. Uh, as for the story that could uh, attract a new generation of Dadleys in 2023, Jesus Christ, if I won a billion dollars or a billion pounds in some kind of ridiculous Euro Millions jackpot, I'll give half of it to charity. Mm-hmm. Third of it to charity, third of it for me, and a third of it I'd say, right, who's a sharp wrestling mind in their early 20s? Right, you can book a promotion. I want to yeah. see what that looks like because I've got no clue and I've settled for a long time. That I think the reason why I gravitate towards AEW is that the whole general thrust of it is everything that was missing for 20 years and shouldn't have gone missing, here it is. Millennials rejoice. You don't have to deal with the Fed anymore. Mm. And they've done absolutely everything that a millennial-aged wrestling fan missed out on for much of the 21st century unscripted promos, war games, an array of technical professional wrestling by the guys like your Punk, your Danielsons, your Joes, who should have been the stars of the 2000s. Um, in a world that wasn't monopolized by an idiot with self-serving interests. I've got that in AEW. Mm. I've been serviced, and I don't think that... It's a bit worrying, actually, how AEW and WWE alike keep going to that. What would a millennial wrestling fan like? Austin coming back. Oh, we'll do Blood and Guts. It's War Games, but better. And uh, Punk will come back and... We'll do War Games. It's War Games, but better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I just don't know what the answer is because I think I'm too old. And I think everyone involved in wrestling, and I know it's more than Tony Khan and Triple H, but predominantly it's them too in the North North America. I don't know, and I don't think you do either. I don't think any of us know. I think what worries me as well is that I don't know where the next movement is coming from. Throughout my entire pro wrestling fandom, whether I knew it or not, whether I was in the weeds of the IWC or not, there was always a movement. Yeah. In, well, from my wrestling age onwards. When the Fed was cooked in 95, there was ECW, this alternate blood and guts, like pan genre thing of all the hipster stuff coalesced under one umbrella. Um, that formed the Attitude Era. When the Ruthless Aggression era was just a complete parody of what it used to be. There was the real work rate of Ring of Honor. Um, when WWE storytelling in the mid to late 2020s, 2010s, went completely off the boil, the continuity and saga elements of the elite and how it sprawled, uh, splintered across ROH and New Japan and BTE and some indies. That was like, oh Christ, long-term storytelling completely redefined. That was the movement. What is the thing is now? If there's one actual cool movement that'll happen, AEW will subsume it, and I don't necessarily think that's the best thing. Yeah, they'll take like little bits of it and then promote that on Dynamite that week, and you'll get your fill and never go back. You can't anticipate someone like, oh God, Wheeler Utah is such a sensation. It'll be awesome if he gets snapped up one day. Oh, he's on, he's on AEW straight away. Yeah, and he's had he's worked a three match angle and he's done. It's I that's an interesting. I've never really thought about that element of it before. Um, yeah, like I, I've you know we've got very similar uh, similar ages and similar sort of tastes and things that brought us on, and I don't think mine like are, are that different. Nor do I think they necessarily represent what would work now. 
Um, I, yeah, Hogan Warrior was the the reason that was booked was the reason I got into wrestling. I'm still watching it now. Like, how could you miss with those two men coming at each other at the same time? Like, and I guess for a certain generation that would have happened to an extent with Hogan and Rock, uh, with Austin and Rock. You know, like the comparison. I, stars on different levels, really. The Rock versus the Ultimate Warrior, but just in terms of bringing two together at the same time. That's a dream for Vincent Mann, and it's a tapping, really, because you're going to have fans of both. I was a Warrior guy, not a Hogan guy, but I understood, even as a little kid, as you say, I got what I was looking at, and my guy was a Warrior in the paint, but I understood that Hogan was his equal, yeah. something I had to give, and it was really as simple as that. And then everything afterwards, once you're on once you're on the hook, you start to, you don't yet know what you gravitated towards, but you're just watching, so you'll see things, and you'll pick things up, and you won't even conscious, as a kid, you don't consciously go... I enjoyed that, and I look forward to tuning into what that character gets up to next week. Yeah. You just watch the show, and then when the character turns up again, you're pleased they were there, and it sends off some receptors. Again, Warrior and Savage. I didn't spot Warrior on a downturn and being phased out of the, the top of the card. I was just gutted he'd lost. It was unthinkable that he could lose to Slaughter, but it was I was distracted, yeah. as he was, with the Randy Savage, and on it went from there. Um, I, a couple of things on what possibly can find new audiences and what can be, you know, like what will make future Dadleys or something like that. I'm interested, I'm not suggesting there's going to be an explosion coming, but I'm very interested into the year Stardom's going to have in 2023. I don't watch it, right? I've watched snapshots and recommended matches from some of the people that listen to these podcasts and like engage with us on Twitter and stuff, and I love what I watch, and then I walk away from it as a promotion. That's my feeling as a fan, but I have so much time in a week to be able to dedicate to it. The prospect that Sasha Banks become a regular becomes a regular in Stardom, and this shouldn't this isn't good practice. It's I'm just meant speaking to be more myself. New Japan. New Japan, right? She was going to... She was going to work matches for New Japan, and in turn, that offered me a gateway to stardom. I feel like I would engage more with full cards, and if you engage with full cards, you find more wrestlers you like. Look, that, that happened with me and Kenny Omega in New Japan, and all of a sudden, I mean... In, star-driven industry. And indeed, star-driven industry, right? So if somebody pulls you over, and then you're in. As a wrestling fan, you're predisposed to watch more of it and pick up new people along the way, and that's the fun of it. It becomes an age of discovery for you. And I do wonder if... like, I don't think I'm necessarily on my own in that sense i think there will be others like me that need a bit of a like basically somebody you know off the telly to hold your hand into, yeah, a, into yeah. a brave new venture but then once you're in there it's familiar and you're straight away finding out these other wrestlers that you like and then all of a sudden you're following their trajectories and so on so on so on. So, on. so i do i'm curious as how that goes with new japan and stardom in 2023 um yeah we're not we're not the fans nor is tony Khan, nor is triple h to know uh because we've got as you say, we've had what we wanted over and over again. So it's the fans themselves that need a louder voice. I think, I didn't think the storytelling was particularly great, but I think Becky Lynch's rise in 2018 and 2019 will have absolutely been that entry point for a lot of girls and young women. Like uh, that representation of a WrestleMania main event and a babyface like Becky Lynch will have done something, I think. I don't know if those fans have been chased away. And I look at the bloodline and I wonder if that might have something to it. If you were a kid and you were finding wrestling, like, I'm tr- again, 37, I'm trying to work out the markers, right? Roman Reigns scans as the biggest star and he's carrying two big belts. He's wrestling personified as far as I'm concerned. So look at him, right? Visually, he just makes sense as the top guy. With him are his family members who are the best tag team and they hold belts. They're not the best tag team, but for your analogy. Yeah. As we were kids, if that would be the Ultimate Warrior stood next to the Legion of Doom, would it not? They're all holding belts. Look as good. Well, they're all holding belts and wearing face paint. We would have seen them being like, I get it. Top guys, top guys, top guys. That would be the case with Roman and the Usos, I would say. And then Sami Zayn is this 
sympathetic figure that kids would be able to pick up on is this guy that is really happy to be there and, oh my God, it could go wrong. And if they bludgeon him, the kids will feel devastated for Sami Zayn. That as a story, to me, seems like the sort of thing that kids would be receptive to. It's got merch, it's got like hand gestures, catchphrases, all these things that you were raised on were crucial, like, you know, to sort of getting you in at a very basic level. So maybe that's a storyline that years down the line, people were like, oh, I was, had a passing interest, but every single time, like the Bloodline one, Roman was, I loved Roman and I love this and I love that. And it's got a thread. It's going to make it to WrestleMania. It's not going to be dropped. What made Dadley's was rewarding your investment. And Vince McMahon did not reward anyone's investment for years and years right. and years. I don't know how kids have found WWE and stuck with it. I genuinely don't. If I was a kid, right, I liked Papa Shango because I was excited to see the Ultimate Warrior back and then I was worried for him because this was weird. So that tells me that kids would have gotten into The Fiend. But then what happens when kids get into The Fiend? They beat The Fiend. Like, uh, you can't invest in anything for all those years. Like, I don't know how WWE have found kids without a John Cena. They barely have. Yeah, and, I, like, and obviously AEW hasn't really tried. I'm, like, you see kids dressed as Orange Cassidy, there's an audience, but that feels like it tailors more towards us. Yeah, I, they've got to find them, but it, they've got to find them with something real. Like, it's monoculture, isn't it now? Like, splintered pop culture means that anything that gets big is only big in relative terms to how it used to be. You're not getting cultural phenomenons, you're not getting booms anymore. So it's finding, like, it's finding wrestling that... It's a really old thing to say. Oh, to appeal to like the TikTok generation. Even that would be old now. The TikTok yeah. generation has aged out of the teenage years. But whatever that medium is, it's finding wrestling that satisfies that. Like Twitter clips make more sense to me as something that young people would enjoy than a TV show. Because can you imagine somebody of 19 sitting down to watch three hours of Raw or two hours of Dynamite? I can't, I can't, I can't, can't, but Twitter, can't make, Twitter or TikTok makes sense to me as a way to consume it at least. Yeah, it's just needs young people and young people ideas for me. Yeah. I've got no idea what that is. I had a point to make, but it's completely fallen off the top of my head. If I remember it, I'll revisit it. But, oh yeah, here it is. Look, this is purely anecdotal. You might have an anecdotal experience like this. There might be kids in Hartlepool who are bloody mad on Roman Reigns. Yeah. There's not a single kid that I know of. James would tell me, I think, because he knows how I work in wrestling media and stuff. Oh, yeah, my kids don't like wrestling, but they know it exists. My, so if, my kid, but there's no one in, that's, in that school that my kid attends. It's just, there's nothing about mm. wrestling there. There isn't, they don't even know who John Cena is. No one talks about Roman Reigns. Yep. Like, obviously, AEW wouldn't register because they're not as big as AEW, uh, it's WWE. Like, my kid just, there's something fundamentally about it that he just isn't gravitating towards mm. in the same way that it pulled us in, um, like, generations plural ago at this point. Does any, do your kids have kit mates who like it? No. I, I know this for a fact because my kids are not even mad into football, but they're into football cards. Yeah. And they, they get swapped and they get it's traded. It's just football. And it's like there's no wrestling cards getting sorted. And yeah. I remember my wrestling sticker albums and how big that was. Football and video games. Yeah, games, Mario, got, Sonic. The thing is, got like, when I was a kid, I was into video games, um, but it was like rental shop, yep. or if you were lucky, if you were being enough of a brat on a Saturday, your mom, your mom might get one mm. for you to shut up. It's like free games now, free to play. Yeah. I'll be getting Fight Forever for the Switch, and that's probably the last opportunity of the kids seeing wrestling in any way they want to. Like, they might want to play me at it, and then they might play as a character and think, is this a real person? Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. That, that might become like a gateway. But other than that, I can't. I couldn't see a way, and they've just not got the bug. And we've said this before that we get the question a lot: like, what would you say to suggest to show my friend nothing? Like, if they haven't got it by themselves, they will yeah. never get it. So, never yeah, ever get it. Uh, Adam, the gent, two questions, if I may. 
In your opinion, which promotion is set to have a more exciting year in 2023 between AEW and WWE? We'll go with that one first. Uh, AEW, because the Fed sucks. Um, bloody joking, of course. Um, look, if Gunther versus Brock Lesnar's happening, then that match is... Oh, is there anything in AEW that I would prefer to watch other than that? I'm not entirely sure. Do you remember this time last year, um, we were having a conversation in the office... And I, I can't remember what match had fallen, like fallen over because of an injury or something like that, or somebody wasn't going to be coming back. And we were still we were speculating on Austin. I remember there was like pasty bets flying around about Austin, but other than that, we were talking about WrestleMania, and we were like, "It's got now. It's got Vince McMahon has got, has got now. It was before Cody jumped in, before yeah. the Austin thing really emerged that he's got nothing. He's got now absolutely nothing for this. In contrast to this year, like WrestleMania's got stuff. Hasn't yeah. it? Both nights are starting to look packed in your head, and if the Rumble goes in the way many of us think it might. Like, WrestleMania is starting to look pretty packed. AEW uh, will do well to compete with that around March, April. But uh, check out our Dynamite review or wherever you get your podcasts, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, um, for our discussion on how they could at least steal the charge in January. Like, I'm, uh, January the 4th, January the 11th, uh, between New Japan and AEW, there's an awful lot of buzz that could be generated by some pretty significant changes, moments, matches, people, etc., after that, it's I don't, think it's, I don't think it's ever been harder to speculate yeah. because like we're looking at Triple H's first Rumble and Mania run. AEW's year is going to be... They're ending on a bit of a high for me, I think, creatively. But when it's still a bit of a Brave New World post-punk, so we don't know how long that can last. It's, I think it's a very, very, like... It's, it's unknown, in truth, not to give a cop-out answer. I've, I've really enjoyed the chaos of 2022, but I don't think the history books will be all that kind to the content, truthfully. I've enjoyed the madness of it. Cody, the Austin, the Punk, the Vince, the blah, 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 stuff that we've laboured on, all this end of year stuff. But has it left you with the feeling that, like, the industry's in rude health? I'm not so sure. No, I've had, I've honestly... Weird contrasting, like... I've honestly even thought that it could be approaching a dark age at various times. The last month has been very good, I think, um, at least insofar as AEW. But again, AEW has taken every promotion ever USP, and that is its own USP. So there's no new bubbling underground exciting movement. There's no reason really to watch Impact if you've got no time. Like I don't. Oh, there's a great match on. Cool. There was three on Dynamite. You know, yeah. um, like the crowds are getting flatter. More on that later. Um, new Japan. They're clapping. Um, nothing is as good as John Moxley's G1. Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada. CM Punk versus MGF. Page versus Omega. Like I just felt like quality. I'm completely with you. So I'm I'm hoping that I'm excited by both promotions and. I can relearn how to love New Japan and stardom can get me and all these things. But yeah, much of 2022, I was like a little bit just completely jaded and numb because I'd been given everything, like a spoiled millennial. (laughs) And maybe that was the case. Uh, The second part of the question, what needs to be done to bring life back into crowds? On the whole, I think wrestling crowds have been noticeably flatter over the past few months. I think that WWE... Like I've said this a million times, so apologies for repeating myself. Hopefully the mega fans will forgive me. There was a big shift um, in the mid to late 2010s where people defied WWE's booking in the mid-2010s and made atmospheres on their behalf. Like, it was almost generous. Yeah. They didn't revolt. They didn't sit there and go, oh, I'm just going to pout. They tried to do it on WWE's behalf with uh, Punk and... Brian, the last time they really did this was with Becky Lynch and Kofi. After that, they realized, oh, what's the point? Or, more accurately, the people who really wanted to care thought, well, there's another new promotion. 
that I can care about and wants me to care about it and is uh, aligned with my tastes and what I like. And the smaller, louder audience gravitated towards AEW and the WWE crowds. Like, it's a big failing of my job. I don't know how to articulate their voice. Even if I don't like it myself, I don't even know what they like about it because they're so quiet. Do they need the matches built? Do they just not like wrestling very much? Um, And it's AEW as well. Um, I do think that there was that cloud, that shadow um, post all out where you just thought, at least one of my favorite wrestlers isn't here, and I don't know when they're coming back, and it's really depressing. Um, You know, they've killed certain towns. I don't think that's an excuse. They've killed um, marquee matches. They did that too much throughout 2022. That's coming back as well. Maybe that's a direct reaction. Um, I just think that millennial wrestling fans have been completely spoiled over the last however many years. I wrote an article. You can read it on uh, whatculture.com slash WWE. Um, and it's called uh, 10 Alarming Signs Over the Future of the Pro Wrestling Industry. And um, I wrote like an entry about We've been spoiled and we've seen everything and what could possibly be left to anticipate. Just think about your wildest dreams in, like, 2016 when it's Roman Reigns versus Triple H and it's the office favorite in a storyline where the authority hates him. What? Yeah. And you would dream idly about, what would make wrestling great again? What if Punk comes back? What if Austin returns? What if uh, War Games comes back? What if, what if, what if, what if? What, what if Vince if, finally goes? What if Vince yeah. finally goes? What if Triple H actually gets control of WWE's yeah. main roster? What if, and this one's too stupid, a billionaire <laughs> like who loves all of wrestling and is pretty damn good at his best at booking it, incredible in fact, just there's a new nitro-tinged alternative on telly <laughs> and it's amazing and it's everything you ever wanted wrestling to be. Like, WWE, uh, no, wrestling became a pipe dream production line over the last three years, and what's left? Have have we been exhausted by it and spoiled by it, and are we just, can anything pale? Is everything pale in comparison to what we've had? Between Okada, Omega, one, going down the line now to Revolution 2021, wrestling completed itself, like rest, uh, Revolution 2022 with Punk and MJF. And all the brilliance in between. Maybe extend that out to Cody jumping and Austin coming back on yeah, the same yeah, night. Yeah. So we've had a jump of this war, yeah. and we've had the all-time guy returning and wrestling. Has wrestling, has it completed itself? And is it now everything's like, oh, just... So what we know about that, if that is indeed the case, is that uh, WWE will survive it. You know, it's a different landscape. AEW will too. They're going to get a rights fee. They're going to carry on. But AEW needs to feel vibrant and dynamic and all of those things to... It can survive. Like the last three questions, like the last three weeks almost render this question out of date, but I'd need to see a longer yeah. hypothesis. AEW can't... It can, and it will. But you don't want AEW to exist as a rights fee generated promotion as like a zombified version of itself. We've seen WWE be a zombified version of itself countless times and rebound and then go through little interesting spells again and then it gets zombified again. So the quiet crowds in WWE, are, I think, are a problem now, but I don't think they're a problem forever. I, I think, think they are. I think that's just a movable feast. I think, honestly, like, I don't think, don't get me wrong, I don't think these are the same quiet crowds it's been like of three or four years, not including the pandemic. No, like, I, I don't think this is a, I think it's a running problem that they've not really addressed. And the only thing that addresses it short term is actual stars because we see what happens when people wrestling that they care about you know there's always noise for the bloodline like for the most part and that's whether it be the usos in a tag match or solo sokoa running interference on the outside whatever there's noise for it 
Clash it's not white hot though, is it? No, Clash of the Castle was white hot because fans wanted to see those people and it was like largely quite well built. And you just you think like so there's there's examples of but how, that's a lot of that was we haven't seen a event of that magnitude well, in years. So this is what I was gonna say. You need to replicate that feeling in every American state that gets a raw or smackdown, say every four or five months in the cycle. You need to have enough stars on your roster that make those fans feel like they can miss them. Because very few wrestlers on in WWE feel like that they're missed while they're gone. Like I wouldn't necessarily be jumping out of my chair to attend a house show for the SmackDown mid card in Newcastle, even though they're only here once or twice a year. And that's a failing of the booking. So the simple answer is what the answer always is: good booking. That's like fundamentally, you've got to believe that's always the answer. Good booking will generate louder crowds, louder noises, hotter shows. That's uh, not a guarantee in WWE. But it might be an AW. Like if they, as long as that remain, even if it gets a good rights fees deal, which it surely will, as long as it remains dynamic and it tries and it takes risks and it feels the more vibrant alternative, I think the the loud crowds will return on a very consistent basis outside of Texas in AW. WWE will just get through this one and get on to the next one. Like well, I, I, I don't isolate this current situation with the crowds as any different to prior times when this product has been dead because it just WWE will not die we're stuck with it and like and I'll say that as somebody that likes it some of the time but we're stuck with it for all it's better and worse and I just think there will come a point where the crowds like whether or not they build stars or not the crowds will come out of this into match funk they're in whether or not we're in an era of fans that were trained not to even like wrestling that much as you kind of like have alluded to there and WWE was saying, well, look, the entrances are bigger and better than ever. Here's some fireworks, here's some music. You know, just watch this. We don't care if you sit on your hands during the matches because we're going to throw it at a commercial anyway. Maybe that's where we're at now, but I do think there'll be a there'll be a shift again. I feel like I've seen it undulate enough with these crowds. There's, you know, you watch you watch something from 2012, 2013, there's absolutely no noise. And then 2015, 2016, they're hot again for a bit because there was this feeling that all these big stars were arriving from NXT and you were seeing this like finally this like generational shift so it does even in times that i don't think have been particularly that creatively satisfying the bulk of the last 20 years i think it does come up again so i do think there'll be there'll be a time when wwe gets louder i, I just bloody I th- hope so i don't agree but i, I bloody hope so i tell you what i don't like um they have relied way too much on that infuriating button post pandemic that hum that noise oh my where, they'd, God. where they'd rather have that than authentic it's never going to be Bobby Fish in the Impact Zone quiet, like WWE, never. But they seem, to be, Mondays. they seem to be so paranoid by the lack of bigger noise that they're using that, like, hairdryer pandemic button, and I hate that. Mm. I, don't, I don't agree, but look at honest colleagues, so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, this one's from Mikey D 1991 Hey! Oh, what's your biggest old man yells at Cloud's gripe about modern wrestling compared to when you were a younger fan? I've used this example quite often. Steve Austin selling in the sharpshooter at WrestleMania 13 at 37, having watched it countless times, I always think, oh, it's really can't get out. Mm. The selling performance from Stone Cold Steve Austin in that match is absolutely outrageously good. Um, like, just so believable. He looks like he's anguished. He looks like he just cannot and will not let go because his pride will be dented. The blood is a health meter, which it literally yeah, is yeah. in our bodies. Like, like, <laughs> um, I just don't think... That wrestling does anywhere near. You'll never get it that good again, because it was one of the best individual performances in wrestling history. Um, in a delayed way, obviously very transformative. But my God, I don't think enough of them try. I don't think enough of them try. And people bonded emotionally to a ridiculous extent with that man. 
and he was very good at selling. Mm. He didn't do that much of it when he was at his hottest, so maybe it is a bit of a retro, like a antiquated notion. But like every now and then, if I indulge my uh, classic wrestling head, I'll watch Terry Funk and Ric Flair. Mm. I quit. My God, Terry Funk selling in that match. I just wish there was more of that. Yeah. No, I get that. I uh, I got two for this, but one is one that I think we've laboured on in a lot of our reviews and previews when it appears as if it's going to be teased, in AEW especially. Um, a generation of fans, you know, here we go, right? We talk about, like, I don't, I don't know what young people want. When I was in my, I'm 37 now, when I was in my mid-20s, I could not possibly understand why teenagers would like this, but it was because it was all they knew. Like, authority figures. It's one I keep going back to. There is a genuine thirst for authority figures still, even though AEW have just about managed to steer away from it. Where sometimes it's felt like they were getting close to it. And like I'll see comments that we get sometimes, well, what would be the problem? Well, wow. Like if you don't see the problem, yeah. then we're just on different pages here. We've just grown up with a different type of wrestling and your wrestling had an expectation of it. Our minimum, wrestling was better. <laughs> yeah. A minimum of one authority figure per brand, often two, per, per brand, per show, whatever. I, I hate them. Um, I get nervous at the idea of one ever being in AEW. Oh my God, when Surrey made that Lumberjack match, I just could not believe it. And yet, the fear and the dread it inspires in some just does not exist in others. And that's why I think it's like an old man yells at cloud thing. To me, the most normal take in the world is, well, they're really bad. They're really terrible. For this this whole world to make sense, they're so bad. Contrivance facilitators. Yeah. That's all they are. And yet, it's just not seen that way by so many people. So it's a fight I've kind of given up a little bit, or it's not one I'll particularly try to uh, to have anymore. The other one, um, we it's an aesthetic one, because I like wrestling aesthetics a great deal. I wish, and WWE are the ones that crack the code here, because they've become richer and richer and richer and richer as the in-ring has gotten worse and worse by keeping a look the exact same way. When we were younger, again, old man yells at cloud here, uh, did it ever bother you if one superstars or a challenge looked different from the previous one you were watching because of where the aisle was, or if the aisle went loved round a it. corner, or if the WWF logo was hanging above the ring or hanging above I the entrance, it, right? or if it was just nothing but a blue curtain with exit on the fire exit, right? I understand that everything gets modernised and everything should look slicker. And once me and you were sat in a studio right now with soundproofing and a brick effect wallpaper, there would have been a time where that wouldn't have been the expectation. Piper's pit doesn't look as good as the studio that we're sitting in yes. right now because everything has to be modernised. But WWE kind of cracking the code for television wrestling has ruined for me the idea that from week to week to week, I want the buildings to look different. I don't need the stage in the Titantron every week because some weeks a aisle would be better than a ramp. Two screens would be better than one or whatever it is. You could do really creative booking around it as well. Yeah. Like, remember when, I don't think they do it now, maybe apart from Grand Slam. Remember when, like, early Dynamite, some weeks there'd be the ramp leading into the rings and some week they wouldn't, based mm. on the layout of the building. Like, I want. Want bendy aisles back. The Clash at the Castle Tunnel yes, was great. That was awesome. And we were like, where we were sat, we were kind of facing onto it, and it was just a totally different way for the wrestlers to arrive. It built up a different kind of If there was more people in the building, they wouldn't have used that. True. Yeah, yeah, they would have used the one side for the stage. Um, Impact used to have, obviously, they had the, they brought like the two tunnels idea, in which then AEW have used, and I think that was nice for a bit. Like, novelties wear off, and that's all right. But I loved um, on Impact how they would walk up the stairs onto the stage instead of walking around, like through a random curtain. I don't even really like how pretty Gorilla is. Like, you know the Gorilla position in WWE? If you're a wrestler, when does work start? Because Gorilla is a place where sometimes you have your interviews or you have your an angle take place in the uh, very, very pretty Gorilla position now with the WWE logo all there. 
where does your shift start and end? What curtain do you walk through before you're finally off the clock? I just would like the building to be the building and have the wrestling drop into it for the day. But we're never going to get it because TV is dictated and money is dictated. Where's Raw coming from? I don't care. It's got to look like Raw. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I, I hate that. I hate that as well. Uh, Matt Beeston, uh, thanks for your question and indeed, and indeed all of the questions. He asks, what dream match do you want to see from WWE and AEW in 2023? Keep up the good work. Um, not a hot take. It's been um, broken by, I believe, the uh, inimitable backup hangman on Twitter of wrestle purists that um, Gunther versus Brock Lesnar mm. is internally listed for WrestleMania 39, is it, at this point? Yeah. My God. If Brock Lesnar's up for it, and with that incredibly white and easily reddened body, <laughs> what his chest could look like. Can you imagine the visual of Brock Lesnar's chest chopped to death by Gunther in a night? I think he's done great in WWE. I think the aura isn't quite what it was, but he could be the sort of the Andre of the European Indies that he was mm. in like 2017 in on WWE's main roster of Brock Lesnar's willing to sort of elevate him to that yeah. level. Just be shockingly violent, disgusting in the most beautiful of ways. They both sell incredibly well. I think they could make a masterpiece and a real, real actual star. I was watching Gunther. People get into his matches because he's such a genius. But he was talking about how I'm a professional wrestler in that contract signing and just a bunch of ingrates going, what, what, what? Like, you should be scared of this man. And I yeah, think yeah. Brock Lesnar can, be make, can make you scared of him. So that's my WWE dream match. And, you know, fingers crossed it might actually happen. As for AEW, I really, 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 really want them to try the exploding barbed wire death match again. Yeah. It'll have to be outdoors. They'll have to get a new, uh, Onita on the blower. Just give me your guys. Yeah. I can't trust any of these cowboys. <laughs> How do you do it? <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And do you think you should get more credit Do you think it? you shouldn't be rubbish? This time? Do you think, because I do. Get, get an eater on the blower, get the storyline, get the venue, try it again. And honestly, in that weird kind of 
oh, God, I can't look away. Mm. That'll inform the anxiety of the match. People will be desperate to watch it, either for please work this time or yeah. AEW are going to be in the mud again. I think it'll get a lot of hype. And the match I would like to see is a successful MGF world title defense against Kenny Omega. Mm. Kenny Omega adds such great ideas for that match. He could do it again. Um, and I think he deserves the redemption moment because it was all his brainchild and he got let down by some cowboys. And MGF sold the threat of taking a bump into thumbtacks as if it was an actual landmine. Yeah. More people should do that with all weapons, but that's the level on which um, at which MGF operates. And just to have MGF at his worst reign of terror get potentially exploded yeah. could be absolutely sublime. And I think that a lot of people have seemingly who don't like Kenny Omega or is most Kenny Omega excesses, I sense a shift in he's becoming the uni- like universally respected guy now mm. um, where people are still a bit like Ugh, with the Young Bucks, but oh, Kenny's different. We love Kenny. I think Kenny used to split opinion way more. This is anecdotal, driven by who I follow on Twitter, but the people I follow on Twitter who would usually kind of take the piss out of Kenny, except that he's a brilliant guy at what he does. Um, but I, more and more people, I think, realized that year he was gone. Christ, I missed him. Christ, yeah, he's amazing. definitely there was a shift. Yeah. And I think he can evolve into the next real veteran heart and soul of AEW. And to be honest, he's so great that he could have an actual another world title run that spans yeah. nine months and it'll be great. But if, in fact, his career's on the wind down and he wants to lose a title match as a babyface, um, an exploding barbed wire death match with MGF is the heart and soul trying to rescue AEW back from the reign of terror uh-huh. on his terms. That could be amazing. I like that booking more than I like the stipulation because I didn't really care for the Kenny Moxley match before even the botch. Like, before the finish, I wasn't that invested. And I thought Jericho and Kingston was a mess. Like, end-to-end a mess. Oh, you want an explosion? I was like, yeah, explosions are obviously key to it. I, I basically, I've got this bias against barbed wire working anywhere near as well as it can in your head. Um, you ever seen uh, Anita versus Hayabusa? Uh, yes, I've seen that, and I've seen Punk and Sabu as examples of it, like, done well and done right. But I just, I don't know, maybe it's a North American TV thing as well. Like, it maybe it just doesn't feel like it suits the landscape. But in that scenario, I'm back on the hook. Like, I'm I'm waiting for the match to sort of have that take dispelled completely. Like, and universally so as well. Because um, I don't think I was alone in that. I, yeah. Uh, Most people liked it. What, the Barbara Exploding Barbara Deathmatch? Even Murray, who doesn't like that genre, I thought it was a great match. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, do you know what I really didn't? Didn't sit well with me was the one winged angel thing. Not the best thing about the match. Yeah, I didn't like that. I felt like the best thing about the match was like a double explosion. Oh my god! Good quick. (laughs) (laughs) People did get one this week. There you go. Oh my god! Oh my god! You say that about the cowboys. I think some of the other explosions weren't very good as well. So it was far from just a problem isolated to the the end sequence. The first time one of them ate an explosion, I was like, "Oh, that's possible." I'm yeah. into the match. I love the fact that it's happening. That's just, just possible. It could be a lot bigger. Yeah, there's more. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Get bloody Atsushi There's more to do with it. Yeah, What are your it. dream matches? Well, it's it's one guy across either company, depending on where he goes, because he currently feels like he's trapped between both, which is CM Punk. The same Punk and Cody on one side and same Punk and Kenny on the other. That, like, I think they're both legit dream matches. I think they're two of the biggest things the company could do. I'll extend that out to Punk and Austin in WWE, because... We all know that it's a bit like what you say about the like this era of wish fulfillment has meant that dream matches. There's no there's no chaos dream match now, is there? There's not a one. 
Like, if you want to think that... I've, I've said it on another podcast that'll soon be coming out, or a video, whatever it was. If you want to think that Steve Austin comes at number 30, stuns a bunch of people and wins the Rumble, it might happen. I know. Probably won't, but it might. Like, it's not... That would be what? Like, you wouldn't even make the top 20 the craziest things in the last sort of two or three years in wrestling. That now. So there's not much that you couldn't pitch. Uh, and Punk and Austin at WrestleMania, or Punk and Cody in general, or Punk and Kenny, if it's the AEW side, he's, he's still the guy. Like, there's still... His, that story that came out a little while ago that he'd gotten the bug back almost felt like, almost felt cruel. It was like, right, so you've just got the bug and you've done so much damage to stop yourself being able to <laughs> satiate that need to work. Nice one, Phil. To realise his limitations good, good physically. Good work, Phil. Like, and well, not, yeah. And not do suicide dives. The, um, the Kenny match. I, 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 honestly, truthfully, with Cody or Kenny, I don't know which one's the bigger loss. Like the fact that we're sitting here and we've somehow lost both. Is infuriating to me, yeah. quite quite frankly, and I don't know which. I can't work out which one's the bigger loss because both offer, both offer equal value to the company. Punk and Kenny is the is the impossible, really. It's the guy that you needed in Kenny Omega to realise all of this versus the guy that wanted it so much before it could ever be a thing in Punk. Punk and Cody is AEW's match taking place on a WWE stage. So, like, that for WWE and for Triple H, cynically, is an enormous win before the bell's even rung. Just to put that on a poster, isn't it? It's like, can you believe that you have gift-wrapped us this? Yeah. You know, and we get to tell... We get the pipe bomb footage, bam, and we get to make our own video package. Like, and we get... We've stolen that story, and we get to present that match. And it would rule... Like, the match would be absolutely unbelievable. Old-school stuff... Like, we'd get to sit there rubbing our legs as they take their in time. And the selling that you talk, like, would be out the ass. I just, I don't know which one's the better match. Punk and the Elite. Uh, Punk and FTR versus the Elite. I, that's uh, my yeah, favourite Punk a... permutation. Just had a f- nerdy fantasy booking spot that you're going to have to check out. Um, worst wrestling moments of 2022. That's going to hopefully drop mm. on YouTube over the holiday season to get that. You could do um, two branches of that as well, because you could do... Uh, like FTR and Punk versus Young Bucks and Kenny and Young Bucks and Hangman Page would both be just as good. Like, would be gripping for entirely different reasons and the matches would both rule. Yeah. The arse, formerly known as Jimmy Blade. A legend. A legend. Regular um, member of the community. Just that name always <laughs> pops me. The arse. A legend of the North American wrestler, uh, the, the Northeast wrestling yes. scene himself. <laughs> Been waiting for this, thank you. Lads, what's your biggest I feel like I'm taking crazy pills wrestler where you just don't get it or see it? I could fill 12 tweets with why I don't get Sting. Oh, Sting. Come on, Jimmy. Oh. So what's yours? Well, like, timeless answer is The Undertaker. Day one, like a day, day one, one. A day one not getting it and never will. Save for like three years where he tried and he became just this like super worker. I'm not going to deny those like mid 2000s WrestleMania years, not at all. And the fact that he like people remember the WrestleMania matches, but he was holding up a hell of a schedule then yeah. as well. He was winning. bad blood, one of the best individual performances ever. Uh-huh. It just looks terrifying in there. Yeah, he looks like an absolute monster. He's got it at times, but I just as a as a legacy, I've just never got it because I can. I'm not taking crazy pills though because I can understand what people like about. Him. In which case then. Save for a very, very, very small period and an incredibly generous one when the pandemic kicked off. My answer is probably Drew McIntyre because a lot of people have gravitated towards Drew McIntyre. I have spent years hearing, like, I'm so glad he's, uh, he made it back to WWE. So, like, that's WWE's story to tell, but fans think it too. And fans wanted it first time. Remember there was that corner of the internet with, like, buying in at the chosen one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, well, come on, guys, push Drew. Give him the head start and now why are you burying him and not giving him the Intercontinental title? 
Like, I, ne- I never once saw it, and now I just see, like, a more intense, jacked-up version of the guy I never really saw back in 2011. I don't get it. I, d- I, d- I don't think he radiates. I think his body looks awesome, and he's got size out the ass, but the Roman Reigns match was kind of at Clash at the Castle was the worst possible thing for him in hindsight because it's like he kind of looked like a wish.com version of a WWE headliner because yeah. he stood right next to a WWE headliner. Yeah. And I, I like it. That, that for, I always felt it, but seeing it manifest there in a place that was designed to make Drew feel like tonight was the night, he'd actually never looked further away. I've got a couple. I'll try not to be harsh. Um, there'll be another one that where I'll kick myself. Right, Randy Orton. Like, like yeah. Randy Orton, boring bastard. Loads of people think it, though. Yeah. Yeah, more people just realise that he's useless. I think my two, uh, the Usos, I just think they are a distant, 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 uh, distant, Number three, and not even that. There's loads of other tag teams I think are better. In terms of this, I'd say, for example, that you just think that FTR, the Bucks, or the Usos are the three biggest tag teams in of their era. Yeah. Right. And they will always be remembered in that way. I think they're the most distant number three. I just don't get it. I don't know what elevates their matches into that special feeling that FTR and the Young Bucks give me. Where's the creativity? Where's the drama? Where's the crowd heat? Like they've had matches with uh, Harper and Rowan and The New Day. Right? They're excellent. They're the two best matches you've ever had. But they're out. Would they crack the Younger Bucks top 25, 50? Mm. FDR's top 25? No, I get that, actually. I yeah. just don't get it. Like, their match layouts are remarkably similar to the Young Bucks. They spam super kicks out the ass. They're just not as twist heavy. They're not as spectacular. They spend a good eight minutes doing next to now in their really long matches. Like, what, what was the one? Was it SummerSlam or where was it where it was like, you start doing eight minutes of now here and then by the last five, everyone's into it. Oh, God, aye. Um, yeah, it was the Street Profits at SummerSlam. I just did. I yeah. was just like, you shouldn't be wasting that much time. You just shouldn't be doing it. I tell you what, right. I think the Usos have got, they've been not lucky because they have obviously, they've worked really hard. But imagine if, like, because the, the career trajectory, trajectories feel identical. Imagine if Dolph Ziggler had happened upon perfect marketing 10 years in. Imagine if the marketing machine had finally got Dolph Ziggler right and he'd already put in, you know how like seriously fans, you know when we were younger, if a guy had been there, we talked about Mark Merrow the other day in the office, if a guy had been there two years, it was like that character's old and dead, give him a new one, and if that doesn't work, fire him. Yes. Like it was kind of ruthless, but the, the whole point was, it's like the machine never stops and somebody's got to be over and stay over, otherwise they just they shouldn't be on TV. That's not how WWE works now, right? So imagine if Dolph Ziggler got the marketing push of a lifetime, a dream repackaging 10 years deep. That repackaging has worked like a dream, while a lot of other people would be like, but in 10 years in this business, riding up and down on roads before he got this opportunity, it's great to see him finally get what he deserves. That kind of happened with the Usos. Um, like, uh, they, put the, they put the hard yards in, playing like sub-head shrinkers with Tamina, doing play hard in the paint in their wacky neon shorts, and like half-decent repackaging his heels in the Uso penitentiary, but like very mid-card stuff. Wasn't going like, to rebuild the tag division on its back without the New Day there to kind of be their legacy opponents, really. 
and then you get this bloodline thing now where they are being they feel like a main event act Aye. because of like how they've been presented and I, I think that's a little bit of like legacy plus look that yeah. I think has, ele- that has elevated the matches in stakes. Very but, good, but the they're work I, I do agree with the work though. You just simply do not take away the memories that you take away from FTR and yeah. the Young Bucks, and even they're very good. I just don't think they're great. And like I, I can't speak to having seen more than ten of their matches ever, and yet I feel like every Briscoe's match I've ever watched has left me with more than the Usos as well. Like, Aye, they're another act, and there will be others. Like probably if I think it, like if I really stop and think about it, DIY and American Alpha. Probably gave me more memories than the Usos did huh? for their relatively short runs in NXT, and but I just think they've they put the time in, and now there's like those first ten years where now it happened. Let's be honest, and I was seen as like, God damn, like they're soon going to be twenty years deep. God bless fucking Usos. One of my like, proudest wrestling moments where I realised, you know what, I can actually write about this and be credible. Some dickhead will probably disagree with that. <laughs> I just didn't buy Ziggler from the start. I was like, he's a mid-carder. Yeah. He's a mid-carder. Like, I understand how deprived you are of stars Mm -hmm. and great dynamic in-ring action. Dolph Ziggler is a great bumper. Great little hand. Mm -hmm. Right. Capable of brilliance on his day. You don't build your roster with all main eventers. You need a bit of everything. exactly. But everyone's like, he's a star. He's a main eventer. He should be the main eventer. like, no, he isn't. If this was any other era, he would not be a main eventer. He's very, very good. There's no shame in being an absolutely awesome, at his best, uh, Mid Carter, but the guy took too many bumps. Do you know this man's going to look at someone bumping around the ring like that and going, "Great, you can make the guy I care about look great." Do you know the tell for me that he was? And again, I'm not saying I, this is going to sound like we're just using it as a stick to beat him. Saying Mid Carter, we're not like he's like an awesome purpose serving Mid Carter when he's pushed as well. He worked two consecutive Royal Rumble title matches against Edge and CM Punk. They were both brilliant, and it was a reminder of that being his level and there being absolutely no shame Aye. in that. Like they were both I didn't absolute... even rate the Punk one. The Edge one was great. Yeah, I, th- I thought they were both really good, and never once did I think, you know what, I wish they'd done that for WrestleMania instead. I never, I never got that feeling. I was just like, this was really good. Yeah. This was really, really fun, and on we go. And on we like, go. I wonder what Ziggler will do next. Four left. Uh, this one's from Michael Lavalley Third. I downloaded this crazy place known as Twitter just to ask you guys a question and keep up with everyone at What Culture. As for my question, and I feel really bad about answering this, who do you think Uncle Howdy is? I have this huge suspicion it's Bo Dallas. Thank you guys for everything. I just don't like anything Bray Wyatt's ever done. And um, <laughs> he doesn't. To answer have, your question, Bray Wyatt's. Uh, just uh, like uh, and, uh, the guy's obviously invested, and he's like a fan of ours, and he's very committed. Mm. So I'm trying not. I'm trying to answer answer his question because he's said something really nice. But I can't, in good faith, say I like anything about Bray Wyatt. I think the guy's a hack. I think the idea that, oh, he's a bit creepy and spooky and unhinged and he's volatile and he don't know what he's going to do next. How do I convey this in my performance? Just mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like the crazy laughing to himself. I think it's hack stuff. I'll never if, forget the sliding out of the ring gif. Oh, God, there's a gif that is infamous in What Culture Towers where we bring it up on our media library every now and then to take the piss. And it's why going, oh, oh, I'm crazy. Oh, oh, oh. And he, he makes himself into, like jelly, doesn't he? Yeah, like, he tries so. to like slip out the room. But then he hits his head against the ropes. But I just don't think it's very good. I uh, think that if you were in, like, casting office, and you say, right, okay, well, a um, bit of a low-budget horror. Um, your role is, like, a bit of a crazy guy, okay? And you can't act. Mm. Don't know why you're here, but you can't act. <laughs> what do you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't be. Uh, thank you for your question. Thank you for your engagement. I just don't like Bray Wyatt. 
Could it be Bo Dallas? You like SmackDown. Yes. You do it. You do the question. I, I, like try, I, I I'm so sorry. I'm thanking you for your support, but you should know I don't like Bray Wyatt. I like SmackDown. I don't like Bray Wyatt, but I like SmackDown. Um, and I liked watching Uncle Howdy feature on SmackDown because it took it to that perfect NXT 2.0 world of like, oh, some of this was really good. And then Uncle Howdy showed up and it was weird and we could rip the piss out of it. Feels like it's got to be Bo Dallas, doesn't it? Um, that's probably, you know, I, I don't know if like Michael wanted a more... Uh, Ernest. Yeah, well, or like a, a more surprising guess or a more surprising answer because the Bo Dallas speculation is there. There's a familial link between the two. Um, Said to be coming back as well. Uh-huh. It's not, this This is not meant to burst Michael's bubble if he's a Bray Wyatt guy or for anybody that likes Bray Wyatt and Uncle Howdy. He'll be sticking around, don't worry about that. We've talked about how Uncle Howdy could be a poison chalice. So, Bo Dallas and the poison chalice is at least not going to kill somebody's career. Like, it's not going to take somebody that is on the main roster that is currently or on NXT, you know, they're not... I just like calling Grayson Waller up and say, Grayson, we've got some great news. Love those heel promos you've been cutting on uh, NXT. You're a real uh, stirrer. Bang into it. Stick this hat and mask and beard on and yeah. jacket and then giggle with you and hold on to your lapels. Like, you, your career's knackered. With all due respect to Bo Dallas, there is no legacy to tarnish, particularly. He had a run. He had a perfectly fine TV run as a lackey for the maze and as the Bo Leave guy, and it was a bit of fun. We all, we all had a... A very gentle laugh at some very gentle comedy, and then that was that. There's no risk attached to it being Bo Dallas. And if anything, people can absolutely tug themselves blind doing side-by-sides. Wait a minute, they're related! The second he takes the mask off. So or keep it on. Just have the man, what's his name, Rotunda something? Uh, yeah, what is it? Bo Rotunda. Is it, it must be Bo Rotunda, yeah. It's not going to be IRS, is it? That's I'm the dad of the ghost of the world, of course. But I paid my taxes. I paid my. Notes. But is it meant to be Bo Dallas, or is it meant to be just a manifestation, like a, a haunting presence from Bray Wyatt? Yeah, like a tulpa, like a, a manifestation of his demons. It's wrestling. The people are gonna want him to take the mask off, aren't they? I want. Him, I want him to wrestle. Well, people will, but I want him to wrestle in that match. Whoever in that mask, whoever it is. Oh yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I want to see him wrestling the whole gear at first. I want the second fiend out there. I want yeah. the fiend in the ring while Bray Wyatt manages from the outside. Yeah. Right. Third last question. Why is Cedric so silly at times? <laughs> Let me know if my question gets read out and at what time. As I'm not listening to the entire pod. Thanks. <laughs> That's good. That is from David Lee. I include him here very briefly, only because he's my favorite troll. All right, okay. Usually right. Uh-huh. I just block on site. Can't be arsed with you. Sometimes if they say something particularly stupid or if they're particularly antagonistic, I might I might feed them. It's one in particular who was staggeringly divorced. <laughs> and I can tell he's miserable. He just sometimes like just replies to me. He's got the curse where he thinks that I'm not as clever as I think I am, right? But me being cleverer than he is, yeah. he's actually the Is this, this guy? No, no, no. This is somebody else. Addison. Right. I try and like watching him. You're intellectually dishonest. Not being funny. If you've ever used the phrase intellectually dishonest, you're probably a nonce. <laughs> uh, unless you're one of the people listening to this and who's good. Just so you know, people who sc- that scans to me is like just the worst kind of internet user. Yeah. But this guy is called David Lee, right? He's, he's got this uh, bit uh, where he'll say a rebuttal to one of your things, mm-hmm. comma, mate. That's and he puts good. made at the end of every single troll bit, and I quite like it. Like uh, that knowing passive-aggressive mate. 
So yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I like that. So I'm trying to find some of his replies. I like that he's called you Silly Sidgwick. Silly Sidgwick. Um, well, I'm just going through his Twitter very quickly. He's usually in the boxing. Um, he's just doing... Wait, well, come on, dickhead. <laughs> Where's he trolling? Is he giving it up? So is this just an earnest question? Is he just stepping into... No, 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 I reckon this guy's trouble. He's absolutely, <laughs> he's absolutely bloody trouble. Well, people listen to this will be able to go and find him and troll him. You and McKenna, Deschamps should be sacked at half-time, given they're far the better players. This is pathetic. Are you happy about how this match is panning out, mate? Mate! <laughs> just, I love this guy, this mate guy. It's good. Into that. Aye. So basically... Um, why what? are you so silly? That's why I find myself asking every day. Good taste in wrestling. Um, right, okay. So, in answer to your question, David, um, let me know if my question gets read out and at what time. <laughs> it's five to three. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't what time it's getting published. Bitch. Uh, this one's from Sassy, penultimate question. After the excellent Sheeta versus Hater. We're seeing the stem of a real women's division. In your opinion, what is the path to redemption for AEW, and how would you book it if you were Tony Khan? Right, I've said this quite often. Um, Tony Khan, less so recently, but generally very, very patient. Um, He will not give away all-star matches. And he tries to book the women in the same way as the men. The idea being, right, it's a kind of an established star versus... Respected veteran, Dustin Rhodes. Emerging young talent, Lee Moriarty. Uh, solid as hell, sometimes really good mid-card hand, Tony Nese. Like, those are the three um, that generally go against the star on television. We saw it was like Moxley and Darius Martin just this week. He's tried to replicate that with the women's division, but because of years and years and years and years of institutional misogyny in all of women's wrestling in the mainstream and in the underground, there isn't that surplus of talent who can be the experienced hand. I mean, they've got one, and they don't use her enough, and that's Serena Deep. Um, there are the really good, established, um, been there for a while, not quite as long as uh, Dustin Rhodes, but like a Tony Nese, not a star, but very good. Mm. And because if you were a woman, right, why would you want to enter the wrestling industry? Like, as it is today, even, there's more um, impetus to do it now than there was in, like, say, if you were born in... Uh, 1990. Hey, man, I'm going to we've got a generation of women's wrestlers now, based on what their ages are. If you're, like, between 20 and 30, what the hell were you watching as a kid that made you want to do it? Exactly. Like, it's That's incredible that we've got this era of super-working women. That, I, like, I, I, I watch it and think, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, it's a good job that you could ignore the misogyny and all mm-hmm. the horrible things. Um, Maybe there's a Santa's little helper match spot for me. So when I'm old, you know, like the... I think that, like, with all due respect to Sky Blue, um... And certain other women, because I don't want to just single her out, because she's got loads of potential. Like, sign them, pay them, send them on excursions. Like, find um, a Joshi League. There are plenty of them. Akira Tao was my uh, crazy pills. Loads of people say, ah. oh, he's just as good as the other three pillars. No, he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> he isn't. He's very, very good, but I don't consider him a great. Yeah. I just never got that. Watch him carefully. He's just as good. I'm like, no, he isn't. Anyway. <laughs> And that's like, he's the hipster for uh, pillar as well. Yeah, so as I was always, like, always like, oh, my back's up. I'm, I'm sort of a hipster, actually. <laughs> but yeah, I would just do more all-star action. Be bold. More representation. Don't try and build stars that, in your heart of hearts, Tony Khan, you've got no real 
um, desire to build over the long term. They're just there to eat a loss in the times when there's loads of men who need looking this week. I'll have Sky Blue losing five minutes. That doesn't wash with me. I know for a fact you don't have massive plans for her. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's a waste of time, quite frankly. It doesn't do anything for her. Um, send the really promising lot on excursion and book your women's division, much like Triple H would have in NXT or Ghetto Wood in New Japan. Not with women, obviously, <laughs> until very recently. Just all-star action. Yeah. Balance it. I don't want to see the same thing every week, but um, use a... This will be... Tony Gaunt will never do this because he loves these rotating cast. He just loves it. Um, but like, really just try and think differently about how you book women. And failing that, get the shimmer. Mm. I, I don't think it goes... At this point, I think based on how... If nothing else, I think 2022 has shown a commitment to change. Like, it's not always been obvious, but I think it has been evident. And I think we've seen certain wrestlers help power that forward. And we've seen certain booking choices power that forward. The next step... I don't think 2023 is the magic wand fix to it, but I think it is the next step. And I think by 2024, we could be looking at something quite exciting. It's representation. Like, it is honestly representation and how powerful that is. It's time. Like, we joke about it. It's time for two matches on Dynamite. It is. It's It's ridiculous. It's got to feel like a division. It's got, like, it it, it feels more like a division. It does now. Yeah, than it ever has done. It feels more like a division. But they've got to go further with it. I remember when, um, I think it was Sasha Banks, it was one of the horsewomen, and I think it was Sasha Banks, who was the first out loud, and then Becky Lynch started saying it as well. In 2015, after they'd been called up to the main roster, but kind of in that really ugly period where all the women were in trios, where it was like, we've done the job. Stephanie Mann's invented yeah. women's wrestling. Good, good for you. Like, six women, like, in your six-man, and then, oh, here come three more, and then that's what you've got. It's rotation of these trios. It was around that time that Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch were saying, look, we know that a bunch of people have invested in the NXT women's division and it's been great. And Bailey and Sasha's match at Brooklyn has changed everything, kind of. And then we all get called up and now we're getting featured and now it's, there's more than one match on Raw and the one match, and the, both matches are going more than two minutes, five minutes, etc. Um, they weren't saying, oh, I want um, I want to get on the WrestleMania card and it not being a Playboy match. It was, I want a main event WrestleMania. They went straight to, like the biggest possible goal that WWE offers you. And obviously, eventually, both of them did it. Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks were the first, first two horsewomen to, to really drive that sort of movement. And uh, I just think the ambition within AEW should be just as big. So like, let the, like, let the new conversation be in the women's division about like when there's going to be a feud that will main event a pay-per-view. And it sounds laughable. And it shouldn't sound laughable, should it? It's 2022, about to be 2023. But the, the notion of it is laughable. Yeah. Because it's like... How's Tony Khan going to find time that? Because he's it's going to be MJF he's going to be focused on. It's going to be Kenny Omega. It's going to be the Young Bucks. It's going to be so on and so on. But it's like, well, why? Like, if Jamie Hayter is getting the reaction she's getting and is generating that universal support, then Jamie Hayter is the one that you focus on getting into a main event. Think that big, and the steps, the next steps are not going to feel that big. Two matches on Dynamite are not going to feel that big if you've got that pay-per-view main event in mind. And like that, that, that would be the next thing I would say for the women is to just believe in something that massive and then the smaller steps will come along the way. If Sasha Banks is going over there, that's what she's thinking about. Sasha Banks isn't going over there to wrestle one dynamite a month. You know what I mean? Like she yeah. might, in terms of the schedule, that might be what she wants. But I'm not, what I mean is in terms of how she's presented, she's not just like, right, great, I beat Sky Blue, see you in six weeks. 
that's not what she's signing for AW for. She wants to headline all out. Yeah, that's it, and that's the that's the mindset I think the women should take now and let the other stuff grow underneath it and kind of force Tony Khan to see that and then buy into it himself. Yeah, should have done it from the beginning, but we are where we are, and I think the steps, the, the right steps, have been taken to get there. Last question, um, I can't agree with it. It's from Reese Macy, but I love that it's been asked. Do you think Jamie Hayter could be the next big wrestling star? Could she break the wrestling bubble to become mainstream? Bonus question, which will follow. Um, no. No. Mm. I think she's phenomenal. I tweeted, actually, and you don't have to forgive me because it just accentuates my point. <laughs> um, wrestling is a subjective art form with an incredibly tribal, divided audience, but Jamie Hayter is surely, along with just a handful of other performers, impossible to dislike. She is phenomenal, a total, super credible beast. Just to uh, expand on that a little bit more, like, Jesus Christ, there's... Jamie Hayt is the kind of wrestler where if you don't like her, I just don't know what you get about mm. wrestling. Like, seriously, she doesn't have this really um, abrasive or polarizing personality like a CM Punk or a Kenny Omega. Um, a work just looks incredibly legitimate, but not in that sort of boring, she knows how to put a chin lock uh, way. She sells, she emotes, stuff looks like death, she can build a match like just out the ass for drama and near falls and excitement. She can play adequate heel and babyface in the same match. Yeah. She's doing this, it at the moment. This woman is so good at emoting that her face looks like a different person's face. <laughs> like when she looked betrayed all out, yeah. she looked like she was 10 years younger and so vulnerable. Mm. Like she's amazing. But, and hell, maybe I'll be surprised. But as you said, monoculture, just no one really. Like, the, the actual phenomenons are so few and far between these days. Game of Thrones, lucky to get something like that again. Yeah. And that's TV. I couldn't tell you what the last one was. I couldn't tell you what the last universally acclaimed uh, movie or TV show or video game or anything like that was. Nothing nothing ever feels so big that it like seemingly penetrates every sphere. Like, if you're really extremely online when it comes to Twitter, the conversation could be completely different than the one happening on Reddit or whatever, you know, like... Uh. I had a uh, Mega Drive when I was younger, and I knew what Mario was. I just knew. Yeah. It was everywhere, because there were so few that... So few... Like, comparatively, culture was a lot smaller. Um, Splatoon 3 <laughs> is the biggest selling game potentially in Japanese uh, history. Wow. Or the fastest selling, yeah. not the biggest, the fastest selling game in the entire history of Japanese video games. And uh, it doesn't have the cultural penetration of Mario. No. It never will. Just That's just a different... I love Jamie Hayter. I'd love it for her, but I just don't see it. And I don't see it for anyone. I don't necessarily yeah, think she has that. Yeah, that's not a Jamie that, Hayter thing, but... No, I don't think she has that proper mainstream charisma. That like She's a star, but in a different... In a distinctly pro wrestling way, and as we all know, pro wrestling in itself just really isn't mainstream anymore. It's a bit of a whispered thing, isn't it? Of like Steve Austin versus The Rock. Like, right. there's an element to it where like one was decidedly more pro wrestling than the other, and that's kind of where their careers went as a result. Yeah. yeah. And the last question is, uh, what's the best part of Christmas dinner? I bet Captain Bland pamphlet will say dry turkey. Who's this? Don't swear. It's Reese Macy. Okay. Uh, roast potatoes, really well cooked roast potatoes in a nice in a nice fat. I know, like the like, I mean, it's not even hipster at this point. It's about fifteen years old. People say, "Got to do it in goose fat." Got to do it in goose fat. There's loads of nice ways to have roast potatoes. Roast potatoes are great because you can have them loads of nice yes. different ways. But I would go roast potatoes. Uh, are you gravy man? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I'm, I say I'm basic bitch gravy. Like, I don't mind if somebody's going to make a nice onion gravy. But if you want to boil a kettle and hoi it over some bisto, I'm not going to complain over it. You'd rather have, like, a turkey juices gravy, though. Say again? Like, a, like from the fat of the meat. Like, either. This is the thing. I'm, I, like, I'm not married to one or the other. Oh, like, right, okay. I'll take a sort of instant granular nonsense hot brown water over my dinner to make it wet, as I will the onion gravy. I've got, like, that's, I'm uncultured scum when it comes to I that. I need, like, a meat-based gravy just for the synergy between the ingredients. You know what I had the other year? Um, Sean never listens. I don't waste my meat juices on rules potatoes. I think it's fundamentally more important to make a gravy out of that because there's other things you can use to make. You can't get... Like, if you're going to sacrifice one, mm. sacrifice the taties because they are better yes, I would than agree with bad that. gravy. Yes, I would agree with that. I, uh, I'm, she won't listen to this. I'm having Christmas dinner again at my mother-in-law's this year and had, for the first time years and years ago there, they have, you know, like, families just have things that you just have. And she does a really good job of making it, but I don't think it makes sense on a Christmas dinner. She makes, like, uh, like creamy leeks, I think she's called it. Like, oh. it's like, and it's in some, like, some little leeks, but in some sort of sauce, and it's, like, it's like this integral part of the Christmas dinner, it's almost a replacement for like several other vegetables. I don't really get that. I'm like, I want vegetables doing what vegetables do. I want just like roasted parsnips. I want some nicely boiled and then steamed carrots, broccoli, sprouts. Like the texture's got to be right. Boiled. Well, like boiled a little bit, part boiled and then steamed. That would be how I'd want my sprouts because the texture's spot on. Like you don't want the sprouts to just be all like squashy and horrible. No, but you want them like grilled and tossed around with uh, bacon. See, this is, the, again, like, you're just a much more cultured person. Than yeah. I'm like, I'm a swine. At Boiled and then steamed. <laughs> yeah, just like, just to get, like, some Captain sort of, Bland. To stop them being all, like, sort of, I never even thought about roasting them. I don't know that world. Roast taties. Grilled it's vegetables. It's realistically my favourite, but I don't My wife does good Yorkshire puddings. My wife makes homemade Yorkshire puddings. Don't do that at Christmas dinner. Come on, it's uncouth. What, homemade Yorkshire's? No, not Christmas. How come? You can have that every Sunday of the year, it's just not Christmas. I think. But don't you have a lot of the stuff on a Christmas in it every Sunday of the year if you wanted? That's what I'm is that where is this where the bacon bit related? Yes, yeah, you try and differentiate. Ah, it's a roast, okay. but it's Christmas, so it's got to be a bit special. Okay. So a roast potato has to be on there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely has to be on there. But because I don't necessarily associate it with Christmas, it's a fundamental but a proper Christmas dinner ingredient that you wouldn't necessarily. Oh, it's a toss up between. Uh, stewed red cabbage or pigs in blankets pigs or blankets. stuff and balls I like stuff see I'll have stuff and balls on a regular roast as well I just uh, go on no, and I treat myself then. Uh, pigs and blankets are the one because you wouldn't have them on your average Sunday dinner the stewed uh, spiced red cabbage for me that's what yeah. makes it anyway talking for ages thank you very much for joining us turkey's uh, BS no turkey's amazing you just haven't okay here he comes He's, yeah. to really He's not eating my turkey, yeah. Let me give you a recipe, pal. It's not even mine. I've, I've never cooked turkey uh, in my life. Boil it in a sock filled with Coca-Cola. Anyway, <laughs> that's turkey, pal. Now you just got to cook it correctly I'll and make it. it moist. It's hard to make moist. Yeah. Right, Naturally be. dry bird. Uh, but if you make it moist, then it really gives back. Uh, so that's all. That is all. Uh, we talked a long time. But what we like to do every now and then when... The new cycle's pretty boring. Yeah. Is do this sort of thing mm-hmm. on Thursday afternoon. And uh, again, it's just kind of a, sorry if we didn't get around to your question, uh, maybe next time. But we get asked quite a bit on Twitter. I don't really have the time, so I really like this as a little community engagement exercise. Hey man, this is going out on a Thursday, right? It's a very, very rare, speaking of rare birds, it's a rare all-daddling news tomorrow morning. 
So if you've just seen this thread and you're listening to this podcast now and the thread's still kicking around, like throw some questions and if we've got now to report on the news, we might we might get some of them tomorrow. Hashtag it. Yes. Dadly News. D-A-D-L-E-Y-N-E-W-Z. Z. And that way I'll be able to see Attitude it Attitude adjacent news. Yeah. Because um, there's going to be now happening tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, we get asked those questions on Twitter and I don't really have time to answer them all. And this is a nice community engagement exercise and you've been so wonderful to us throughout the year that we thought we'd give you one as the year end nears. But again... Um, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify, all the rest of it. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Um, follow us on Twitter, because I like the numbers. Um, you can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. You can follow me at M Sidgwick. That's M-S-I-D-G-W-I-C-K. <laughs> Drop the ha-ha. So it's M-S-I-D-G-W-I-C-K. And uh, we will see you soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 